Welcome to the Open Air Series Podcasts, the podcast for people already active on open science or people who want to know more about open science, open air, and EOSC. You are all invited. Researchers, repository managers, scholarly works content providers, librarians, policymakers, research funders, entrepreneurs, and citizens. In our podcasts, we introduce the open air portfolio services, how they work, and how they assist you in solving your problems. We complete our approach by presenting how open air enables you to benefit from the EOSC ecosystem and open science. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Open Air Podcast. I'm Giulia Malaguarnera, the Outreach and Engagement Officer of Open Air AMCA, and I'm guiding you behind the scenes of open science by interviewing experts and pioneers of this movement. In the last episode, when I asked Inge and Eloy what they were most proud of, their answer was the Open Air Research Graph. Today with me, Paolo Manghi and Pedro Principe will tell us more about the graph. Paolo Manghi is the Chief Technology Officer of Open Air AMCE. He is a researcher in computer science at the Istituto di Scienze e Tecnologie dell'Informazione of Consiglio Nazionale delle Ricerche in Pisa, Italy. Pedro is an information documentation and communication professional working at the University of Minho, where he plays a key role in the National Open Access Desk in Portugal. He is co-chairing of the Services and Technology Steering Committee of OpenAir. This second episode is dedicated to the OpenAir Research Graph, or to put it simply, the OpenAir Graph, which is the backbone of the OpenAir Services. Paolo, I'd like to start from you. Can you tell us a bit more of the history behind the Open Air Graph? Well, thank you, Julia, for your question. No, it's a, it's a nice story. Uh, it started many, many years ago. I, we were all other people in young. <laughs> it was 2006 when the whole story started <coughs> with a series of projects funded in FP7 called Driver. Driver 1, Driver 2, there was a saga down there. And uh, where the Commission, uh, which actually plays an important role in this uh, adventure, uh, started thinking of open access as the way to go for the future uh, of science and publishing. And uh, identified key partners in Europe and suggested to go together for uh, a project that would support uh, open access, open access publishing in its foundations. Both from the policy point of view and uh, the technological point of view. So the idea was to build services that were uh, able to capture the amount of open access publishing uh, that was at that time uh, mandated, started being mandated by the Commission, and uh, come up with calculations and measurements, uh, indicators on how these policies uh, were working and successful. So. Uh, we started there with the whole idea of the graph, which at that time wasn't a graph at all, it was just a simple collection of records that we were collecting from institutional repositories in Europe that also at that time uh, were regarded as key elements of the future infrastructure of publishing. 
But the whole thing, again, was focusing on articles, papers, scientific publications. Then, again, the Commission, uh, which again I have to stress, uh, is uh, a pioneer in this direction uh, in the world, the globe, uh, started thinking of moving towards uh, similar um, uh, approaches regarding data. That was uh, in Horizon, but they started before with pilots, the data pilot, the famous data pilot. And again, since we were in this stream uh, of developing services and uh, also building this network that Pedro will elaborate on uh, in, in minutes, uh, that was capable of supporting the whole process of publishing uh, and global alignment uh, in, in this direction. Uh, the consortium uh, of members that were at that time uh, uh, were involved in us. Uh, uh, I, was, I worked for CNR. Um, ICM, which is University of Warsaw, University of Bielefeld, CERN, University of Minho, uh, University of Ghent, and many others, uh, managed to um, uh, be awarded another grant to continue uh, this work. And there, the whole idea of the graph started. Hello, Pedro. Eloy and Inge said that OpenAir is a human network. Would you like to tell us more about the contribution of the Open Air members to the Open Air Graph? Yeah, thank you, Julia, um, for the question. Uh, and it, it is true, in fact, we, we had for several years the slogan that uh, network is our power, uh, and in fact was uh, the result of, of, of the graph, the numbers uh, that uh, of records that we, we have in the graph, um, the consuming of, of the graph is great, is a result of a great uh, technical work, but also is a, re a result of all the work done by the different national open access desks. Um, the effort that the, the teams from different countries uh, did uh, to on outreach activities on open access, on open science practices, etc. So the NOAAs were uh, quite important for that. Of course, we did important dissemination on open access practices, on open access policies that was critical. Uh, the NOAAs and Open Air had an important contribution in terms of disseminating the, the European Commission policies in FP7, later in Horizon 2020, as standards, as um, policies to be followed in the, the different national member states. But Additionally to the work of disseminating outreach and training on open science practices, the NOAAs were quite important to, um, to onboard uh, data sources, content providers to contribute with content. So the technical work was, was done, but in fact the NOAAs were in each country, uh, countries, some of them well developed in terms of uh, repositories, data archives, etc., other countries with zero infrastructures to support open, open access and the NOAAs were key in, the, um, in that role. So, um, disseminate uh, our guidelines, um, invite uh, universities, research centers, re different research institutions to onboard their data sources, their um, repositories, uh, journals, uh, aggregators, different kinds of, of, of resources in open air. And because of, of that network, because of that uh, work, we, we, we built this, uh, this great infrastructure um, and the visible part is, is, 
is the the graph and all the services that we can build around the graph. So network was the power uh, of open air and I think was the power in fact of, of the, the way that the European Commission uh, increase the uh, the importance of of policies of open science policies in their in their uh, uh, science and innovation programs, which I think is was was really critical. Um, so we have uh, different stories, uh, lots of work from from the NOAAs that I think were really really important. Also. Uh, um, the, the way that Open Air organized the National Open Access Desks um, in, uh, in regions, North, West, East and South, was really, really important because the countries and the different teams uh, support each other in the development of, of, of training, on the development of um, on sharing good practices in terms of, um, of repositories, standards, guidelines and it was really important. So the, what we have today in terms of open air infrastructure, in terms of research graph that Paulo uh, presented uh, clearly, uh, it's a result of several years of working with very good technical teams, but also great people at the national level um, disseminating uh, good open science practices. When was the open air graph built? It was 2012. Pedro, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And we started with the, uh, the construction of the graph. We already had an open air project and the open air plus project started focusing on this notion of the graph. Why a graph? Because we, uh, at that time, uh, thought quite thoroughly about the fact that we were already building uh, something that went beyond the scientific publication and the usual uh, assessment of science. We were introducing this notion of data set, which Again, FAIR wasn't even in the picture, right? So we were discussing data set as strange things, uh, things that nobody would have cared about before, supplementary material to articles. We uh, had the vision to see them as part of the ecosystem and start building links between publications and the data sets, which at that time uh, were already available for many of the communities, which uh, were suggesting that this was exactly the right idea. So to mention the life sciences or archaeology or other communities where uh, the production of data was already a concrete fact, a fact. And uh, we started there building this graph and therefore broadening our collaborations with uh, others who were building key services in the world, not only in Europe. Um, of course, we approached the publishers with which we have a very, uh, I think, good and complementary and uh, uh, fruitful collaboration, still ongoing. Um, we contacted uh, the data centers, we contacted the platform builders, we contacted uh, other uh, initiatives that like open air in the world uh, were uh, seeking open science practices and we started building something big and global. So the graph is at the core of this construction. Can you tell us so what can someone find in the open air graph? The, the graph is an enormous graph that contains information about publications, data, software, uh, links between those that can uh, highlight the relationships, the semantic relationships between, between these elements that are key for the reuse and reproducibility of science. But it also has uh, and brings into uh, 
this modeling, uh, the funders, uh, their funding streams, the projects, uh, and uh, the organizations. Of course, the authors, which are the key element again. All these relationships between uh, these elements enable the realization of several services on top, um, which I think are again pioneering in this area. Uh, we're still investigating on how to uh, bring in the quality that is often missing uh, due to the lack of practices, due to the lack of uh, recognizing again in some areas the importance of publishing beyond uh, PDS. Uh, but uh, the current results are actually more than encouraging, actually successful. So we have uh, evidence of this because of the reuse of the graph, because uh, it plays uh, an important role in the European and global ecosystem, uh, because we exchange data again with uh, enterprises, to mention Elsevier, Springer, but also with the SMEs and uh, uh, organizations, for example, the Euro European Commission itself. So it's just a matter of building it together and uh, find out the, the right ways for collaboration and uh, making it uh, public good more than it is today uh, altogether. I think the, the graph is also very useful because it's a mirror of not only uh, the production or the amount uh, of the production of science uh, in Europe, but also because it's a mirror of our behavior in the way we publish, in the way we, uh, across the different communities and disciplines in Europe, uh, we have been able to establish good practices uh, of publishing. And it's, it, it makes actually quite clear um, which are the gaps that we uh, still have to cope with, uh, for which we have to identify solutions and so on, uh, in terms of the quality of the production. So the, in, not, not only the scientific quality, of course, but I'm talking really about uh, the practices, the open science practices that are behind. How do you see the future of Open Air Graph and uh, what are the challenges to overcome? This is quite important question uh, because um, uh, in the in the services and technology standing committee from Air, uh, we one of the goals of this standing committee is in fact to discuss about the future of the of the services uh, and um, suggest um, the executive board of Air um, a strategy for the different services and the strategy for for the graph is is critical uh, the, the, the graph is quite relevant in different perspectives, as Paolo showed with the examples that who are consuming the graph from companies, uh, SMEs to, to, to national initiatives and organizations. But I think uh, apart from other, other developments that may Paolo um, uh, elaborate a bit more uh, within the, the, the EOSC ecosystem and within different um, different uh, developments in, with, with companies. One, one, one critical aspect for me is uh, to support institutions, uh, to support institutions on the development of research portals or to support consortiums at the national level on the development of, uh, of um, consortiums 
uh, and research portals, which I think is really, really important. When I say research portals, I say not only in terms of visibility of the outputs of specific institutions, specific countries or specific uh, group of organizations at the national level, but also using the graph to support uh, open science, uh, open science um, developments at the national level related with the assessment, uh, related with um, the, the monitoring of open science policies at the national level or institution at institutional level. I think the graph have, have a great power uh, to support organizations and to support national initiatives. The idea is that I think in the future we should try to use the graph as a way to uh, highlight where these practices are not correct and uh, uh, use the graph as a sign or a signal uh, that communities should uh, uh, work on to improve uh, the way they produce science in general. Um, it's vague as a concept, but it's clear that some of the numbers that we can extract from the graph uh, are incorrect because they come from uh, the evaluation uh, of bad practices. And this somehow uh, I've been asked many times uh, recently if we can really use the graph uh, as a trusted source for evaluating data production, data publishing. Okay? And of course the answer is yes, because we capture everything that is named or mentioned as a data set out there or close to everything. I mean, the communities are really uh, contributing to make their content available. We're collecting from the data side, uh, we're collecting from the life sciences. So we have a spectrum. Uh, a broad spectrum uh, of data acquisition. Still, uh, if we dig in and we observe what is called today a data set, what is published as a data set, in many cases we uh, become frustrated because uh, the exercise of data publishing is not interpreted in the same way and in a proper way by many. Uh, this, again, I could come down to an example because probably clarifies better. But the idea of publishing a figure uh, in a paper as a data set uh, in some of the known repositories, Figshare, Triad, uh, B2Share, Zenodo, is still a practice. And in some cases, it's a good practice because the, the image has a value on its own. It could be cited by others or used by others. In many cases, it is not. Uh, it's there because it was just a demand from a publisher, for example, to publish a data set related with the paper and the authors who just want you know to solve these issues as soon as possible as quickly as possible because they care of course about the paper being published uh, what the authors do in these cases is to publish a figure with a caption right so the title is literally figure 22 uh, with an explanation that's not a data set that i think we should consider as uh, valuable for science right it's the product of a bad practice and this is where the graph could really help to highlight where the issues are, where the misunderstandings are, and uh, push the stakeholders of science in the right direction, or at least recommend which could be these right directions. We could build uh, working groups uh, that uh, take advantage of the content of the graph and highlight which are the directions to, to be taken. Uh, maybe it's not up to us as open air, but of course we'll be 
trying to look into this. Uh, RDA working groups would be welcome uh, for the specific communities and so on. But I think this is actually the future, the graph, uh, the future of the graph, and how it could be used to to become really fruitful for the community. Thanks, Paula and Pedro, for your time. If you want to know more on how you can use and uh, benefits from the open air graph contact us at info at openair.eu see you soon bye bye this is the open air series podcast you can find links to whatever articles services and products we mentioned on our open air blog and stay connected with us on linkedin twitter and facebook if you found this podcast valuable share it and invite your friends and colleagues We love hearing from you, so please email us your comments, feedback, and suggestions for future guests. Thank you.